Grace to you and peace from God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. Today is the first Sunday after Pentecost, also called Holy Trinity Sunday. Sometimes Trinity Sunday, or sometimes just the Holy Trinity. But our lessons today feature the power and the glory of the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. In Genesis, we see the historical account of the creation of all things. God spoke the world into existence. Let there be light, and so forth. Let us make man in our own image. Notice the us, let us make man in our image. Psalm 8 is a uh, psalm of David which, in which he proclaims, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. And it also asks a question and furnishes an answer to the question. What is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you care for him? Indeed, we, uh, who are we? Um, compared, you know, compared to the great majestic creator of the universe, who exactly are we? What, what is mankind that we should be compared to? What is man that you're mindful of? Him? But the psalm continues, yet you have made him a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honor. You have given him dominion over the works of your hands. Mankind is not a pox on the earth, by the way, in spite of what some environmentalists would say. No, we're not a blight on the earth. We're God's special creation. The form of man is that which Christ took upon himself. Mankind are the created beings whom God gave Jesus Christ to suffer and die for. So I say again, we are not a blight on the earth. We are God's special creation, not just us in here, all people. So the psalmist asks here, what is, who is man and answers the question at the same time. Man is God's very special creation. That's who man is. In light of this awesome mystery, God is then revealed to be majestic, glorious, powerful, loving, and worthy of all praise and honor. Because it's, it's, his love is shown in his care for us, in his giving Christ to die for our sins. The reading from Acts 2, this is a continuation of the reading from last week uh, in which Peter is preaching this sermon on the day of Pentecost. Notice that he says, Peter said that Jesus was delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God. Meanwhile, the patriarch David 
both died and was buried and is in his tomb until this day. In other words, he didn't raise, he wasn't raised from the dead like Jesus was. However, Jesus, God raised up and of that, they were all witnesses. Now on that day of Pentecost, when Peter preached these things, he proclaimed that Jesus poured out the Holy Spirit on them. And that he had poured out the Holy Spirit on them so that they may hear and see these things and thereby come to faith. So I ask again, who is man? Man is the creation of God that is loved in in this way. In this way that by his definite plan and foreknowledge, he gave Christ to suffer and die for our sins. That's who we are. That's who mankind is. Now we come to our gospel lesson from Matthew 28. And I want you to listen very closely to this because this, as it's called, the Great Commission has been sort of misunderstood and I think probably uh, emphasis being put in the wrong places sometimes. But listen carefully. Now the 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain. Okay, so firstly, note that it was the 11, the apostles, in other words, that were present with Jesus for the Great Commission, as we call it, which will follow. Now, does that mean that Jesus gave this commission to 11 apostles who are now dead and gone, and that's the end of the commission? No, of course not. But the apostles are the teachers of the church. They represent the church in this Context. So when Jesus gave this commission to the apostles, he gave it to the apostles and to the church with a capital C, the church, to carry this on. Not to every individual person, but to the church as a whole. Paul says, are all evangelists? No. Are all teachers? No. Are all given the gift of speaking in tongues? No. So, so it's not that that this great commission is given to every individual person, but it is given to the church to be faithful to. Now he, he goes on. Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. I'm going to pause so that we consider the statement because this again, we, we sort of brush over this and then move on into the great commission. Go and do because we're creatures of works. We love to work. So we we want to go and do. But hold on a second. Just pause there. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Now, Jesus has shown restraint throughout his earthly ministry, even to the point of suffering and dying a shameful death. He availed himself of no authority but that which the Father had given to him. In his state of humiliation, he had the authority to lay down his life, which is what he did. But now in his resurrection and in his ascension, he has been given all authority in heaven and on earth. We may be tempted to think that now, now that he's been given all authority in heaven and earth, he's he's been crucified. Now he's been raised and uh, ascended and now he's got all authority in heaven and earth and He can flex his muscles, right? And consummate his kingdom here on earth. An earthly kingdom 
in which power is shown through brute strength. But that is not what he did. God's power is used to create, to bless, to redeem. That's the power of God that's at work. I mean, this is part of what we talked about last week, uh, what I talked about last week. The power of the Holy Spirit, that we look and we want the Holy Spirit to manifest power in these you know, tangible, visible ways. And then we neglect the power that is at work in the salvation of one wretched sinner whose heart is turned. That is, that takes more power than any, anything else is to turn a wretched sinner away from their sin and toward, toward God. And that's the Holy Spirit working in us. So, In light of his possessing all authority on heaven and earth, Jesus commissioned the church to go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. Not some nations or some peoples, but all nations and all peoples. All people are to be made disciples. Now, how are disciples to be made? Baptizing them. Not just, uh, not just any old baptism, but baptism with this formula which Jesus gave. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. So firstly, disciples are made by baptism in the name of the Holy Trinity. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. In baptism, each one of you have been washed clean of your sins. All of your sins. Past, present, and future. And in your baptism, you were sealed with a promise. The promises of everlasting life. And it's found only in the name of the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And Jesus continued, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. Notice that disciples are made by teaching and learning. A disciple is a learner. That's actually what the word means. Um, So what are we to teach and to learn? Just the parts that we're comfortable with, mainly. Stay away from the things that are not popular nowadays or, or the things that you personally struggle with. Stay away from that. That's just going to make you feel bad. Because you realize, I'm not measuring up course not but Jesus doesn't say that he says teach all all that I have commanded so we don't cut corners it's not kind it's not loving it's not gracious it's not godly to cut corners we teach all that Jesus commanded we also don't pretend that Jesus words in the New Testament usurped the words in the Old Testament, as though they were opposed to one another. We don't say, well, we just take the red letters of the Bible because those are Jesus' words. Those are the ones we go by. We're red letter people. If you want to look at it that way, 
All of the letters in the scripture from front to back are red letters because they're all the word of God. I think there's a passage or something to that effect. Yes, Paul speaking to Timothy. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. And so we teach and learn all that God has given to us. So in summary, Jesus has all authority. He commanded the apostles and the church, which follows the apostles, to baptize and to teach his entire word. But that's not it. The final words that he spoke, and finally Jesus said, And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. See, these words were also spoken to the apostles and, and to us, to the church that follows. Basically saying, God doesn't leave you as orphans. He has claimed you in holy baptism. He comes to you in word and sacrament. He comes to you here this morning at this very table. And he doesn't come to you with a whip to whip you into shape. He comes to you to work faith in you, to work faith, to work repentance, to work trust, to turn and see God for who he really is, the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Father giving the Son to live a perfect, sinless life that you and I can't live. To die and take upon himself all of your sins and all of the sins of the whole world. And God the Holy Spirit comes to you to work faith, to believe this, and turn to God the Father, who says, for the sake of God the Son, Christ Jesus, I forgive you all of your sins. I don't see you as that sinner anymore. And Jesus says these words, behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. That's what he's saying, is that he is always with you, no matter where you are in your life, no matter what circumstances you deal with, no matter what pain and suffering you endure, you know that Jesus that God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is with you always throughout all of your days of sojourning in this sinful and fallen world that we live in. May this, on this Holy Trinity Sunday, bring you peace and comfort. The peace of God which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus.